I'm Sailor, and this is Pretty Good for a Girl, a podcast about girls who rock, girls who can hold their liquor, and girls who will arm wrestle you in a rainstorm with a lollipop. the show everyone i am here as always with one of my beautiful co-hosts ms jenny hello hello everybody i'm very excited about today's show because we have a very special guest with us in the studio yes we do jenny won't you please welcome our guest this week we have here in the studio with us the amazing powerhouse and badass babe samara rivers samara is the founder and ceo of executive and executive bourbon steward of the black bourbon society and the co-host of the bonded in bourbon podcast how are you samara Hi, ladies. How are you today? We're happy to have you here. Happy to have you on the show. Yeah. Yeah, this is exciting. Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving us your time because I know you are quite the jet setter. You are all over the place. Mm -hmm. I know that life well. And you're a mom, so you really juggle. (laughs) Yeah, I often say I'm like that that circus clown that's juggling multiple balls all while on a unicycle. So it's it's just constant motion and most of the time, I don't know what time zone I'm in. I just go. Yep. Yeah. And you have a whiskey glass in your hand while juggling the balls on the unicycle. Hey, literally. Yep. Exactly. Also, I would like to mention that you're hearing some righteous African-American female musicians being featured on our show today. So we hope you enjoy what Sailor has curated for you musically today. Before we get into our discussion, let's talk about what we are drinking, and then I'd like to offer a little cocktail pairing for today's show as well. Kayla and Carolyn are off chasing down guests and stories, so Jenny and I are taking the helm today. Ms. Jenny, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking iced tea today. <laughs> Sorry to be a bore. I apologize. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a little early. It's so. a little early yeah. to start tossing them back. So for right now, I'm drinking uh, I'm drinking some iced tea. Well, Taylor, I know you got something really cool going on over there, though. Yeah, I'm three hours earlier than you, and I'm drinking. So, nice. Ah, yeah. oh, I look like an asshole. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a little iced tea in mine, though, actually. So all right, all I right. do this. I do this fun little blend with um, Evan Williams Black, Woodford Reserve, and then I add just a little bit of wild turkey rye in there. It's a blend that I've been doing for a couple of years, and it is just my favorite. Mm. And then I just add a little splash of iced tea in it, and it's really perfect. It's a very warm day here, so I thought it was apropos. It sounds very refreshing. It is, actually. Um, so I put together a cocktail, um, since Kayla's not here, um, to pair with the theme of the show today. So I made for you an ancho old fashioned. Ooh. So it's two and a half ounces of Buffalo Trace bourbon. 
a half ounce of Ancho Reyes liqueur, six shakes of tobacco bitters, just a few dots of simple syrup, a drizzle of dark chocolate syrup, and a burnt orange. So to put this all together, it's very easy. You want to start with a mixing glass or a pint glass will do with a few cubes of ice in the bottom. You'll add your bourbon, your ancho liqueur, your bitters, and then your simple syrup. You'll want to use a long spoon if you have one. A bar spoon is preferred. You can get them on Amazon for like two bucks or a teaspoon with a long handle. In a pinch, I've been known to use chopsticks. Mm. Don't tell Kayla. (laughs) So... (laughs) So you want to stir the mixture in a circular motion until the glass is very cold to the touch. This means the liquid inside is well chilled and the ingredients are well incorporated. Now grab your old-fashioned glass or a rocks glass will do. Turn it on its side. You're going to want to lightly drizzle that dark chocolate syrup on the sides. Mm. Just a little, little bit as you slowly turn it. Don't put too much or it's going to take over all the flavor. Then you'll flip it back up, fill it with ice, and pour your mixed cocktail into that glass with a strainer. Lastly, you'll want to take a nice thick orange peel and with a culinary torch or a lighter, fire up the outside of the peel, not the white pith side, but the porous skin. This time you'll want to see some char around the edges and you'll begin to smell the essence and oils from the orange. Run it along the rim of the glass and then pop it on top of the cocktail and boom, there you go. You're going to get a kaleidoscope of flavors here. Smoke, sweetness, bitter, woodsiness, and a nice level of heat to give you that perfect Kentucky hug. That sounds incredible. Sailor, when people, no, people, what, when mixologists and you guys create these, these drinks and you use fire, mm-hmm. so to speak, I'm now learning, um, you know, that there's a purpose for it. It's not just to look fun and to, ooh, look, no. I'm lighting something on fire. So what, what do you think are some of the benefits that, um, that come from charring something or, or using a torture of, Torture. <laughs> a torture. torture. Yeah, that's for the other show. <laughs> uh, in, in your cocktail. For show, that's fine. I do not do show. Th- I can't juggle. I'm not going <laughs> to flip my glasses up and spin around. I don't have a beard or suspenders. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. That's totally fine. And and it's fun to watch. It's I get it. It is. Um, me, you'll probably find me hunched over the glass with a very um, discerning face, <laughs> thinking about the precise measurements mm-hmm. and not really – looking very showy like i don't think i would do well on film no no <laughs> but, but i make damn good yeah i make damn good cocktails <laughs> so to answer your question um fire is really important just like cold is really important um all of the elements are super important um in this in your cocktail because i always try to match the elements that are in the spirit i'm using I mostly work with whiskey. So you've got char in whiskey. You've got brown sugar in whiskey. You've got sweetness in whiskey. You've got fruity flavors in whiskey. You have all of these woodsiness. You have all of these elements already. Um, so my, my particular use this time is to open up the pores on the skin of the orange. So if you look at it closely, it has pores just like on your face, mm-hmm. right? And so when you wash your face, you want to open your pores so you can get the dirt out, right? So you want to use warmer water. 
that's the reason. Same thing when you wash, if you get a stain that's very, very, um, you know, that's stubborn, mm-hmm. you're going to probably have to use warm water because you're opening up, you're expanding the fibers so you can let that stain come out, all of the proteins in the stain. And so that's really what you're doing is you're getting the oil to express and the essence from the orange and you'll smell it right away. Mm-hmm. So I always say that garnish should have a job. It shouldn't just look cute. Right. Unless it's a, it's a cute cocktail umbrella. That's different. <laughs> Um, then it's shading your ice. I don't know. Um, <laughs> not really. All right. <laughs> so you're going to get literally the oil from the orange okay. in this cocktail by heating it up. And then singeing, you know, charring the, the edges of it, you're going to get just a little bit of that, that um, you know, burnt smoke flavor. And I've got uh, tobacco bitters in there. And so those two elements go really well together. So there should always, and there typically really is always a culinary purpose mm-hmm. and that's, you know, a, a chemical reason why we do things like that. Um, and some bartenders are just much better at making a show out of it while they're doing it than okay. I am. <laughs> awesome. So thanks, there you go. Thanks for that insight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I we have some questions for you because we want to introduce the Black Bourbon Society to our listeners and just talk about you as well. Um, so I work in the whiskey business as well, and I know firsthand how underserved minorities are, which includes women, and um, how horrible marketing and outreach has been for whiskey for minorities internationally. Is this primarily why you created the Black Bourbon Society? Yeah, I created it back in 2016 when I was um, doing some direct consumer marketing events for uh, a brand up in San Francisco and um, just trying to be a great event planner. I was trying to produce these events um, for for whatever their audience, their target audience was. And um, I some kind of way ended up with their marketing standards, their deck, um, that kind of put their targeted audiences and I didn't see myself in it. And so that's when I created Black Bourbon Society because I felt like everybody was else was being marketed to, um, and they had benchmarks to market towards those audience groups, except for um, African Americans outside of the urban demographic. Very so. interesting. Okay, yeah. so what challenges have you faced um, being a Black woman in your career in general? That's what we talk about a lot on this show. <laughs> What are some things that really stand um, out to you say, in your story? Being a, a being a black woman, just in my just in life in general, and my, my my career path is very different. Like I started off in the museum industry and worked a lot with nonprofit fundraising, and then also you know planning events, um, large scale events for nonprofit organizations before I jumped into the whiskey business. And I will say, you know, there's a lot of things that <laughs> there's a lot of things that have you know been an adversity for me, but mostly it's not um, not being around other people who look like me. I've always kind of been the only one. 
mm-hmm. you know? So it would always be better if I saw more diversity, and especially the higher I, um, the higher my roles were within certain organizations. Um, there was no one else that was an African-American woman um, or even a black male for that. Um, there wasn't anyone else in those positions. There wasn't, there were rarely any role models for me or mentors at that level. So it just became a little hard for me to identify um, with my colleagues at that point. Um, we identified off of the work, we identified off of the mission, but just being able to have that friend, just mm-hmm. being to have that person that, you know, kind of understands you and some of the cultural no- nuances, like there was never anyone on that level with me. Okay. I, un- I understand. I had, um, I was lucky that I grew up mostly in New York City. And um, so, you know, I, I didn't know any better to me, you know, my little girl, I would, my friend, I would go to her house and her parents were Indian, and we would have the most amazing Indian food. And I'm, you know, eating and I had friends who were black as well. And, and you know, they made amazing. And it, I, to me, I always connect everything with food, because that's just yeah. who I am. You know, <laughs> and I think that's like your your first realization of cultural differences as a kid. Yeah. Um, the older a great social connector. Yeah, absolutely. Really yeah, food and whiskey. Right, food right. Right. And being Greek for me, too, of course, everything is about food and yelling and crying. Um, So (laughs) so um, I I would move to other places and now happen to live in one of the least culturally diverse places in the country. I'm in Spokane, Washington. And man, is it. Yeah, it's rough. Um, Being uh, being from a family that's Greek and Jewish and being a woman, I experienced similar things. You know, my career most really when I moved to another country, I lived in Belgium for many years. I lived in France when I couldn't speak the language, when I didn't, I really understood what it meant to not look around and see anybody that is like you, anyone that you feel you can connect to that somehow knows you or gets you. So if I would even hear an American in a store, I would go up to them, hi, hello, I'm an American too, hi, hi. and they'd look at me like, what the hell? Like, I just, hi, hi. <laughs> um, so I, I understand that. And often women, of course, the more we achieve, the higher we climb in our success, we see less and less compatriots among us. Right. Totally. And as a, as a Latina, I have a different experience, a kind of opposite from you, Sailor. So when I grew up, I grew up in like a super, um, super like white world, stereotypical town. I was the only Spanish girl. There was no, it was so weird. So to me, I know that I have a huge family. I'm surrounded by, you know, my fellow Spaniards around me. But now in my, in my adulthood, I live in Boca Raton, Florida. So now there's just like, there's so many of us. I'm like, oh, hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, totally get that. Too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So circling back to the Black Bourbon Society. Um, so I'm thinking about, I joined your Facebook group. Gosh, it has to be a year ago now, I think. Yep. And um, that's how I first found out about, you know, I was like, what? This is, this is wonderful. Um, uh-huh. And the first thing I remember thinking is, do black people and African-Americans, do they drink differently than I do? Because I, let's set aside the female part of the equation. Let's just, let's just put that aside for a minute. I grew up in the 70s and 80s 
being told that black people do drink differently than me through commercials and advertising for Colt 45, Liquid Velvet, Schlitz Malt Liquor. You remember that stuff? Right. Um, And I know there's socioeconomic ties to this, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I think the crux of it is Black Bourbon Society says, no, we don't drink differently. We may have cultural differences, but we all drink the same things. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, totally. And I mean, that's a part of the reason why I started Black Bourbon Society is, you know, I was a child of the 80s. So even though those commercials weren't geared towards me, I was a kid, I still saw those commercials. I still saw those advertisements in Black publications like Ebony and Jet Mm -hmm. and Essence Magazine. And definitely, there's those advertisements, especially in the 80s, Ugh, Ugh, the 80s and the 70s, <laughs> were full of stereotypes, yes. you know? And um, not just against African Americans, but also against women, against mm-hmm. other cultural groups. It was like, I just, I'm so glad we're, we finally have transcended past <laughs> that decade, you know? Yes. Um, because just socially, it was just, I feel like it, it, it missed the mark on so many different cues, especially with creating those stereotypes that you talked about, like with the Colt 45s and the, the, the velvet, what is it? The, <laughs> velvet gold, what was it? Gold, velvet, gold, gold whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, but you know, that's a joke that's the running joke and Black Bourbon Society, as you say, that's like, I won't even allow my members to talk about Crown Royal. Oh, please. That I know. I love. <laughs> because I feel like they were such big culprits of yes. stereotyping the African-American demographic. So uh, we don't even give them a nod. Like, it's okay. Yes, black people do drink Crown. We don't need to talk about it every right. day, though. We don't need to give them any other endorsement or any other boost in sales. Right. So that's why I don't allow it in my group. But you're absolutely right when you say, do um, do we drink differently than you or anyone else? And the answer is no. You know, especially with our demographic, our demographic stems older. Um, it starts, our, the majority of our members, which we have about, you know, right now we're almost at 4,800 members. Wow. But the majority of our members are between the ages of 35 and 55. And um, they are a very educated, conscious consumer. They have high discretionary income, um, and they want the finer things in life. Mm-hmm. Um, the data that we've done on our group is that they want to know more about premium whiskeys. They're tired of being marketed to right. and given bottom of the barrel. Like Colt 45 is literally the skim <laughs> of the bottom of the tank, yep. you know? So it's like, we don't want that. We want the finer things. We want, you know, we want to know, we want to have a premium product. And as you can tell in our group, our members will splurge and buy those high-end bottles. You know, they're the ones that are, you know, buying the $100, the $200, sometimes $300 bottles off the secondary because they want to have it in their collection. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, my thing always has been, you know, Again, we're all people, Mm -hmm. and we all have palettes that can be trained and can be shaped and molded, and we, we want... We want to be able to have good whiskey, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so that's what we talk about in Black Bourbon Society. What's the best whiskey that I can add to my collection next? Right. So. Recently, there was an article about you and BBS in a magazine called Cuisine Noir Magazine, which I subscribe to now. Um, they had <laughs> an amazing... Oh, I love it. I went through like back articles. I'm like, this is great content. Um, They had an article which pointed to a directory that um, they curated to list black-owned wine, beer, and spirits companies. Lots and lots and lots of wine, I noticed. Right. 
Right. I think I saw one brewery and two, I think the two uh, spirits, com- well, there was a couple of spirits company, not, I mean, such a small portion of it was um, spirits, especially whiskey. Why do you think that is? Oh, that's a very deep question. Um, you know, <laughs> I know a lot of these questions are rabbit hole yeah. questions. I'm sorry. But the answer to that is there's are, there are a lot of distilleries that are starting to pop up um, and a lot of brands, I would say not distilleries necessarily, but a lot of brands that um, black owned brands that are starting to pop up. Um, but you know, as whiskey, the whiskey industry in the spirits industry, it's a whole, it's expensive to get into. Yeah. It's expensive to get the equipment. It's yeah. expensive to get the grains. The barrels are mm-hmm. not cheap. Ugh. And then, you know, especially with whiskey, you're dedicating yourself to years and years worth of trial and error. So even if you were to get the great yeast strain and get your hands on a great mash bill formula, by the time you distill and barrel, it's going to take you another five or six years before mm-hmm. you even know if that whiskey is actually good enough mm-hmm. to serve or to, to bottle and, and sell. And so I don't think that there are, so you see a lot of brands that are popping up mm-hmm. um, and they're sourcing right now, right. but it's going to, it's kind of like crowdfunding. Like they have to source, release, right. make revenue, then go back and source, release, get revenue until they can finally have enough money to start their own distillery but again land land is not cheap you know building a rig house all of those like that's not a big um that's not something that most african-americans have just laying around saying like i want to spend 30 million dollars and on you know starting a distillery um so there is a gentleman that i'm good friends with his name is jackie summers he is the only one that i'm aware of who's an african-american um male who has his distiller's license. Is that the one in um, San Francisco? He, huh? Is that the one in, in in Oakland? No, okay. um, he's in New York. He's in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Um, but he distills a, um, a liqueur called Sorrel. Oh, okay. And luckily, you know, to make a, a liqueur, it's way less of a operation right. than it is to making whiskey. Um, but he's the only one that I'm aware of that actually has a distiller's license. Okay. But this is just not a field that we, that we were taught to, you know, be a part of, that we grew up in. And so if this is all brand new. I think people are really starting to get the interest to join into the spirits industry and start their own. Um, but it's going to take some time and it definitely takes capital in, in mm-hmm. resources. And that's probably the hardest part for African-Americans to get started in the spirits industry. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a quote here that came from a story about um, Chanel Turner, who launched, and let me, I hope I'm saying this right, Foudre Spirits. Um, uh-huh. And Foudre. the Black, yeah. Foudre, okay, and the Black Wine and Spirits Festival. Um, yeah. So it, very interesting. She said, and I quote, I never wanted my face to be, be affiliated with the brand because I didn't want to get turned down because I'm a black woman. I'd often walk into a meeting with a distributor who would tell me, you're not what I expected. And I knew what they meant by that. <sighs> that pissed, just so many things about that pissed me off. Head, yeah, I mean, yes. you know, as a woman, I already know this. I mean, I can, you know, I, yeah, well, yeah, you know, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame <laughs> that she feels like, you know, she doesn't want her face. So, and I get it. I totally get it. And as a business person, ultimately, you have to make a choice. Am I going to champion 
um, a movement or am I going to sell my product? And that's a difficult spot to be in. Um, So I think... um, I think one of my biggest questions is, and it just ties in my next question, how do you feel about people who are not black representing, uh, let's say, black-owned whiskey brands? Do you feel like it's a help, or is it ultimately a hindrance? I think it's a help. I think, you know, one one black-owned brand that um, has really mastered diversity on their Salesforce team is Uncle Nearest mm-hmm. Whiskey. And Fawn Weaver is very much the face of her brand, but her staff is extremely diverse. And she does have, you know, majority white salespeople. She, she, and, and for her, it doesn't matter who, what you look like, it's your talent. What is your skill? And so Fawn has very, you know, carefully... Um, crafted a team that is familiar with the whiskey industry, that has distribution and sales experience for years and years. So, of course, there's not that many African Americans in this industry as a whole. They have no choice but to be of other races. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's okay when you have that because, you know, whiskey is not black. It's Mm -hmm. not white. It's just whiskey. So the story of the whiskey has to stand for itself. The quality in the whiskey has to stand for itself. And so Fawn is... in. Fun with Uncle Nearest is very good. Her her sales teams love the story. They come in, they educate, you know, buyers and restaurants and accounts and even consumers on the story. Um, and they love it as much. They're passionate about the story just as much as she is. Mm-hmm. And but at the end of the day, it's all in the juice. Right. And so they're able Absolutely. to educate educate about the product itself and sell that whiskey and it works she's you know she's grown leaps and bounds. oh yeah incredible started uncle nearest around the same time that i started black bourbon society we did not know each other although she lives literally she lived at the time 15 minutes away from my house here in la but i did did not know who she was until about a year after the fact um but even you know even with that being said is that um Fawn, um, this story is it's what has really helped her to get into this industry. Right. And just having that team, she's, you know, she's hired the best. She's hired marketing and all of that. Oh, th- that's what I was saying. I kind of lost my train of thought. But um, in starting that just in 2017, um, she went from being in one state to now being in 48 states. Mm-hmm. And now she's in like 40 countries. Yeah. Yeah. She's grown it's amazing. globally. But that's by having a great dynamic team. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your culture is, your background is. It's having the right people doing the right job. So, yeah, she's she's a great example of that. Absolutely. And it, it brings me to my next point. Um, that You do these tastemaker highlights on the Black Bourbon Society website. I love them. I look forward to them. You post the link in the Facebook group as well, and then you can click to the story on the website. Of course... Fawn Weaver <laughs> was highlighted. So, um, and that listeners, if you don't know the story of Uncle Nearest, if you listen to Metal Rock and Whiskey, you know that I paired Uncle Nearest um, a couple weeks ago with Exodus, one of the bands. So I talked a little bit about, um, but really um, do do your Googles and check out um, Uncle Nearest and, and Fawn Weaver's story. It's amazing. Um right. I mean, just incredible. But I love those tastemaker highlights that you do. Um, Really, really informative. I have learned so many things from being a member of the BBS Facebook group. Um, 
I, I mean, I really have. I, I, you know, I'm in a lot of whiskey groups in on Facebook. Most of them, even if they start off being uh, really good about information, they end up being just another source for secondary market. It's all about, you know, oh, my schlong is bigger than yours because I got this bottle for $8 million. Um, and it's, then yeah. I'm just like, all right, I'm out. You know, I peace out of <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, Black Bourbon Society Facebook group does not do that, which I love. I love that almost every day, I should say, I mean, I don't think I'm exaggerating, I, there'll be a post, hi, I'm really new. I hope you guys don't mind me asking, but what's your favorite? And nobody's like, oh, God, another one of these. Because we're like, yeah, every day there's somebody new. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to go, right? Um, and I, so I learned things like, I learned so much about African-American jockeys, like Isaac Murphy. I had no idea until someone posted um, about, because the Derby is coming up, like, hey. And, and, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, didn't even think about that. Um, and I had a stepdad who was a thoroughbred trainer from Kentucky. So a lot of my childhood was very heavily involved with horse racing. And, and um, so I learned a lot about the rich history of African-American jockeys. Um, I learned about, you know, like we've said, Uncle Nearest and how that story unfolded. And my favorite memory is when that Jane Walker crap happened. <laughs> and I'm sure you're, you're going to remember what I'm going to talk about. So, of course. Of course, you know, all of social media did not click. It didn't click right away. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, oh, cool, Jane Walker. And I was like, the minute I'm like, what is this? <laughs> the, I don't know how it happened. One of the first things that popped up in my feed was <laughs> a post in the BBS Facebook group. And someone had done an incredible Photoshop. I can't remember exactly what they called it, but it was like, oh, what? So should I have a bottle called... Jerome Walker and it's a guy with a fro on it. And I was oh like, my goodness. I laugh so hard. I'm like, well, exactly. I mean, right. it was so freaking insulting. And yeah. that one of my that's absolutely one of my favorite memories. But you know, to that point, I mean that's that's the whole reason why we exist, right? It's like, you know, I, I get the intention that Johnny Walker wanted to have with that bottle, but it completely backfired Ooh, on them. Yeah. Um, and no, you don't have to make girly whiskey. Like, mm -hmm. I'll never forget, I did um, a speaking engagement earlier this year at the San Antonio Cocktail Conference, and I had two women from research and development with Beam um, sit in on my session. And, um, you know, they pulled me to the side after the presentation that I gave. Um, and, and the presentation was on inclusion and the need mm -hmm. for diversity um, within your organizations. Um, but um, I remember the women pulling me to the side and they said, you know what, we're just, you know, thank you for your lecture. We, we, we're just so, you know, frustrated and we keep getting this, you know, demand or this request from our bosses to create a whiskey for women. Like, what does that mean? And so I said, I looked at them and I said, no, like women drink way more. Like we actually have better palates than men. Absolutely. Do. You can't create like, no, don't make anything. Don't find a wood that makes it more cherry. Don't make it sweet. Don't lower the proof. Don't do anything. Just make good whiskey. Mm -hmm. If it's good, everybody drinks it. That's right. <laughs> you know, don't color it pink or put it in a don't pink bottle. Don't color it pink. Don't do that. Like, just make good whiskey yep. and sell it to everyone. Another company, um, well, I don't want to attack Beam, but they also kind of messed up with the whole Mila, you know, yes. Mila oh. commercials. 
And it was like, you have to question, was that for me as a woman? Or is that... That was not for me as a woman. No, of course it wasn't. You know, like, so it's like, the point is lost. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, So just at the end of the day, you know, what we want to do with the brands is we ask them to, and what Black Bourbon Society really promotes is genuine engagement. Mm -hmm. We want to be able to bridge the, um, and be that bridge between an upscale African-American niche audience and the bourbon industry, the whiskey industry as a whole. We want to be able to connect those two. And and if the brands don't know how to genuinely engage with our audience, let us help you do that. Let us facilitate that. Let us introduce you. Let us make that, that brand um, development and that brand loyalty happen on our behalf. So, and I, I mean, you're doing a phenomenal job with that just from, I feel like I'm standing on the outside looking in a lot, just watching. And I, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan. I feel like, um, so I had been searching when I first got into whiskey. I was working at a craft distillery and I felt kind of on my own. And I found out about the Bourbon Women's Society and, you know, really learned a lot about Peggy No Stevens. And I'm a huge fan. However, the Bourbon Women's Society did not meet, did not give me what I was looking for. I feel, uh, so I think my interest in Black Bourbon Society is I feel the same way. You're not marketing to me properly. If you are marketing to me at all, it's you're missing the mark every time. I mean, we know this, right? What I want to see in a commercial is a female distiller, a female cooper, you know, show me the women making the whiskey, you know, show me the women, the master blenders and show me these women. That's it. Look like me. I don't need a polished celebrity. We already know they exist, thanks. They're everywhere, literally. Um, that's what will attract women, you know, like like this is a strong woman behind the spirit you love to drink. That's it's that simple, you know. Or this is this is a Chinese man, or this is a black woman, or this is a whoever, you know, a Mexican man. Doesn't matter. Um I think that you provide more of what I was looking for and I had hoped to find from the Bourbon Women organization. Um I think that my experience was a little more about, I don't know, shopping and drinking than it was education and understanding and uh, teaching the teaching the brands. And I think that I mean, and that's not their mission. And that's fine. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely not um, trying to put a shadow on them at all. I was just looking for something different. I was looking for something more of what you're doing, which is right. not only are we going to connect this community together so that we all know we exist and we can enjoy each other's company and create a community and events, but we're going to speak to these brands and we're going to say, hey, here are the facts, cold hard facts. Right. Here are cold hard numbers. Here's the money that you're missing out on because you are not marketing to us or not including right. us in your marketing, which is I think more proper to say um and I just and I think you're just doing a phenomenal job I truly appreciate that absolutely yeah and I want to make sure like your listeners know that you know black bourbon society yes we are primarily african-american consumers but that is but BBS in itself, especially our, our membership page on Facebook, is extremely diverse. Mm-hmm. And I get the question all the time, like, I'm not black. Like, do I have to be black? Like, how is that inclusionary if you have to be black in order to join? And no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Black, when we created 
this group because we really um, see the need for more diversity within the spirits industry and inclusion within the spirits industry. So as long as you believe in the mission of having being inclusive and having a diverse group of people included in this brand and in the marketing standards and also in the industry then yes like you can be a member of bbs um and so i get that like when you said you go on some of these other boards and and they find out who i am and they find out at bbs like they want to kind of pick fun at what we're doing Mm -hmm. um but they completely miss the mark that we're not about excluding ourselves from this industry we're actually trying to get in we're trying to blend in and be a part of this industry um so so yeah, if you're if you are someone who um, is interested and really believes in diversity and in, in, in inclusion within the brands, please please join us and join the conversation. You know, absolutely. And I can speak to the diversity as in just in the Facebook group alone. You've got people from every walk of life, literally. It seems in there, yeah. you know, men, women, old, young, you know, novices, experts, professionals, yeah, non professionals collectors. Yeah. You've got everything. And I and think distillers. We have master distillers we've got brand owners in the group we've got sales reps distributors we've got i mean the industry is included in black bourbon society yes and that's what makes it great is because when those questions get asked you know what's what should i drink or i like something that's weeded or i like something that has like a cinnamon and caramel note you know this is what i'm currently drinking what else do you suggest then everyone is able to have that, you know, to give those suggestions. And we've got people in there who are extremely knowledgeable and who mm-hmm. are willing to share. Yes. So. Yeah, there are some times when I'll see, you know, a thread and I'll say, oh, I can answer that question. And then I look at the responses and there's there's 38 responses and they're all <laughs> yes. basically, all yeah. Nice. No, yep. There's no drama. No. You know, oh, like, no. Not like, at all. Up, yes. Like yes. Yeah. Yes, I remember someone said, oh, one of my, so my favorite whiskeys are Crown Royal, and they, I can't remember something else, which was, you know, a low, a low shelf brand, and I was like, uh, and I thought, oh, how is the, and everybody was like, okay, well, you know, I started off drinking that too, but, and I thought, gosh, how nice, jeez, because yeah. usually I find in whiskey communities, it's getting better, I will say, in the past five years, it's improved, but it's a lot of, oh, I don't put ice in my whiskey, you gotta drink it now. And I'm like, shut up. Drink it. First of all, first of all, there's science behind that. And I'm going to science you for a minute. Then shut up. Um, yeah. Or, you know, oh, if you don't drink, you know, $100 or up, you're not a real whiskey connoisseur. Shut up. You know, so yeah. I love that there doesn't seem to be any of that that I've come across that it genuinely seems to be such a collaborative community. So it's really right. awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. You for that. So if you guys, you listeners, want to check out the Black Bourbon Society, we will have links in the show notes, and we will um, have links and tags in all of our social media. Um, They're easy to find online, Black Bourbon Society, and on Facebook. And then again, Smart, do you want to just tell us about your podcast real quick? Um, so every week we do whiskey reviews, my partner and I, um, and it's it's called Bonded in Bourbon. It's on all the podcast stations, and essentially it's um, a whiskey review show from a his and her perspective. So it's my partner Armand Davis. He's also the COO of Black Bourbon Society. I love Armand. He's also like my boyfriend, but I feel old, and that's <laughs> oh, is he really your boyfriend? I didn't know that. Oh, okay, <laughs> we're Facebook friends. <laughs> 
It's my lover. Okay. <laughs> my <laughs> lover. Yes. Um, so Armand and I, we, um, Armand comes from a Scotch um, world. He's, he, oh, okay. um, when I first met him, he was a big Scotch drinker. And of course, I'm the bourbon girl. And then um, we kind of fell in love over giving each other exa- um, suggestions on what to drink. So I started drinking Scotch. He started drinking whiskey. And yeah, two years later, we have a podcast that we're both executive bourbon stewards. And mm-hmm. so every week we take on a new whiskey. Um, not just bourbon, but American, Japanese, and also um, Scotch, and even Irish. We don't do Canadian whiskey that much, just because. Neither do we. Same. But yeah, um, but we do like a, we have a whole rating and review system, so we, we're like the Cisco and Eber, but yes. like way cuter and like way in love. I love it. I love it. I listen to it and I love it. And I'm Facebook friends with your boyfriend. I didn't know he was your boyfriend. I don't know how I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> no, because he. I forget there was a post. I don't know if it was about music or something. It was. A, it was a while ago. Um, and we kept like, like responding to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've become Facebook friends with everybody. Um, yeah. So your, your podcast is great. Um, we will also put a link to that in our show notes so that our listeners can follow that as well. It's a great idea. Actually, Jenny's husband and I could have done something like that if we were smart last year when I, well, now it's almost two years when I started, started my scotch journey. That was, that was funny. (laughs) He was the only one giving me support while I was doing it because I was terrified. I started working for, uh, well, pouring for William Grant and Sons, and they threw they threw a tasting at me, and I was like, I don't drink scotch, but I'm going to figure this out. I've been pouring scotch for years as a as a bartender and mixologist, but you know, and I you know I had a lot of, I mean, I knew better, but I had a lot of fears, like most people do, that it's too smoky and it's all basically tastes like Lafroy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and of course, learn that's not the case. So, yeah, yeah. It's a great podcast. So, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you. And thank you um, for me. yeah, telling your story, and I'm so excited to to share it in my little world. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you, ladies. For You're so me. And welcome. I'll see you guys online. Absolutely. So, friends, uh, we are going to play some music for you for your listening pleasure while we take a break so Sailor doesn't, as usual, pee your pants. Come on, I haven't peed my pants in a long time. No, we want to keep it that way, Missy. All right. Watch you drinking rum my whiskey. Now, won't you have a double with me? So that was a great discussion we had with uh, Samara. I am so, I'm first of all, I'm so happy to have finally met her um, and be able to ask her the questions that I've been wanting to ask and just tell people about the Black Bourbon Society. I tell you, this lady is going places. I have been watching her journey for the past year and wow, she is, she's a powerhouse. She's incredible. I do mm-hmm. not know how she does it. She'll be, you know, oh, I'm in, I'm in Chicago. And then you'll see her on Facebook. Oh, I'm in LA. And I'm like, wait, you were just in Chicago this afternoon. <laughs> I'm in I New thought, Orleans. You know, oh, I'm in Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm in New Orleans. Yeah. I'm in Philadelphia. I'm back in LA. Oh, I'm in San Francisco. I didn't even know where she lived at first. I mean, where the hell do you live? I can't, I can't figure out which city she lives in. She is Amazing. And so are the people that that she has curated to run the Bourbon Society with her. 
And not to mention that she's a mom too, so she's doing all this stuff and, and so cute. We saw her little her oh, little kid in the background sons. just I like know. waving. He was such a cutie. <laughs> he was adorable. Cutie pie. <laughs> yeah. I was just really excited to hear her tell her story about why she started the Black Firm Society mm-hmm. and just kind of give an understanding. And I feel like it's such a synergy with how women feel. In the whiskey market, you know, not being represented Mm -hmm. or being marketed to or included in marketing. So I thought it was really perfect for the show. Absolutely. Definitely a badass babe. Oh, yeah. So thank you again, Samara. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to take a moment to talk about our Patreon. You can be a Patreon of Pretty Good for a Girl and you can get really fun, cool stuff from me. I will hand write you a letter. It might be a love letter. It might be a Dear John letter. It might be a serial killer letter. Probably that one. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) You'll just have to wait and find out. We have all kinds of merch coming into the studio this month. We've got stickers and buttons for Metal Rock and Whiskey, and we're getting them in for Pretty Good for a Girl. We're about to have um, glassware come in and T-shirts and all kinds of really fun stuff. Most importantly, you help us grow and continue to do this show commercial-free. And I can't thank you enough. So let's shut this down. Jenny, where Mm -hmm. can Stalkers and Creepers find you? Well, Stalkers and Creepers, you can find me at Rumderwoman247. And you can find my girl Carolyn at Salcaholic, S-A-H-L-Coholic. And you can find me, uh, Sailor Retro, all over the internet. And you can find Kayla as Cadellis on Instagram. Also, friends, you can follow this podcast on all the usual podcast platforms under Metal Rock and Whiskey. And find us on Instagram at Pretty Good for a Girl. And please, please hit the subscribe button. It would mean so very much to us. All right, get your air guitars ready. It's time to riff the hell out of here. <laughs>